There's an unexpected blackout at a murder mystery dinner party. When the lights come on, one diner is dead, and it's not a part of the performance. The victim's finger points straight at the main course. Is it a clue to the murder? Is it a hint at the motive? No. It's Dying Message, the detective anime mystery podcast. Welcome to Dying Message, where each week we watch detective anime along with a mystery guest. Today's case, Detective Academy Q, episodes 12, 13, and 14, the seance murder case. I'm your lead investigator, Noah Max Levine, and though I look on paper like I can certify a home for safe occupancy, you should call a certified lead investigator for that purpose. How was that? Womp. <laughs> so, um, so this podcast, we watch detective anime, mystery anime. If you want to watch before you listen to the podcast, that can be fun. Or you can listen to the podcast instead of watching. We're definitely going to spoil the ending and who done it. So just be warned about that. Or we might lie. We might lie and tell you the wrong murderer. I never want, know. I want people to trust us, Michael. I'm trying to build trust with our viewership. And I'm trying to build an air of mystery. <laughs> well, this is Michael Savitsky. He's our resident anime expert. And in the past few episodes, I've been trying to make the podcast a bit more whimsical by introducing you as if you're an actual anime character. But I'm just going to cut to the chase. Great. Are you an anime character, Michael? Yes. <laughs> well, now I can't do that bit anymore. <laughs> All right. Uh, what have you got for us today? Uh, so I thought it'd be fun to talk about real quick the two different flavors of Japanese ghosts. Uh, now the one that you can taste them. Yeah, they're delicious. Uh, so <laughs> the one that uh, some Americans might be more familiar with are yokai, like from Yokai Watch, which was popular for about a, a mm-hmm. hot moment. Uh, which actually have nothing to do with what we think of as ghosts at all. They're like spirits and goblins and pretty much any like earthly spirits and stuff like that. No connection to human beings. I love a good yokai. <laughs> no uh, no dead humans at all. The, yeah. the dead human uh, variety of ghost is a yude, and that's what we deal with in this episode. And that's literally just the spirit of ghosts. They're typically depicted uh, wearing like a white burial kimono and this weird triangle headband that when I googled it, nobody knows where it came from or why they started drawing it on ghosts. Interesting. In something like Bleach, where like the spirits are coming back and kind of being monsters, but they're also people. What what flavor would that have? Uh, I guess that leans more towards Yude, but they oh what I don't remember what they were called. Uh, Hollows, Hollows yes. is what they called. They were their own brand of thing. Yeah, their own thing. They, they made sort of the combined uh, sort of folklore, like a little bit of Western stuff, a little bit of Eastern stuff, and of course, like the idea of a Shinigami, which is like yeah. a Reaper. Which we think of as like one reaper. Japanese, they have any number of them. Well, this ghostly topic is perfect because uh, the, the episodes we're watching today involve the seance, and our guests are very opinionated about ghosts, I would say. Uh, this is our first time having on not one, but two mystery guests. So that's an exciting development as well. Um, so let's, let's, let's find out who they are. Oh my God. Do you know who they are? I don't know. (laughs) So our first mystery guest is a front end developer and avid gamer. They are currently developing the world of Shatter Seal, which is a new tabletop RPG. You can follow the development of that on Twitter at Syzygy Garand for updates. They are obsessed and delighted by ghosts. I've cracked the case. It's Sloan Lewis. (gasps) Yay. It's me. (laughs) 
So we got to talk about all this stuff, but we have to introduce the other mystery guest first, um, who's in another room in your apartment. Yes. Is that the setup? (laughs) (laughs) So our second mystery guest, let me tell you about her. She is a self-described business person. She'd like to plug at Collective 8 on Instagram. That's an LGBTQ plus media collective, which provides data-based illustrations of racial injustice in the U.S., Unlike Sloane, she's obsessed and frightened by ghosts, and together with Sloane, she solved the mystery of the strange woman with the bicycle. I've done it again. It's Amelia Williams. Oh. Hello. I'm here too. <laughs> hey what? guys, I, I have a question for the two of you. What's yes. it like to have okay. more than one room in your apartment? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's luxurious. luxurious. <laughs> deeply luxurious. Uh, I wake up every day and think, you know, by God, we've done it. The bourgeois dream. <laughs> <laughs> no and I only have one uh, room in our apartment. It's very large, but it's just one room. It's one very large loft-style room, right? Is yes, that... exactly. Yeah. So uh, Michael is the resident anime expert 24-7. Yep. <laughs> <You can't escape. laughs> um, let's talk about ghostly stuff. Yeah. So where do you two come at the topic of ghosts? We're going to see a seance in the episode that we talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... Amelia, how do how do you feel about ghosts? Well, listen, this has been a point of contention for us for a while. This has been a sticking point. So I, uh, I, I was. Let's see, where does my relationship? But like with many things, I think my my, my worldview on this can be traced back to my my parents and my mother in particular. So my mom is Chinese, and she's always maintained a sort of. Uh, beautiful cognitive dissonance around superstition and the and the otherworldly, where we're not exactly strictly speaking superstitious or follow any particular uh, sort of occult traditions, but there's just a, a sort of healthy belief that uh, there is a kind of spirituality to things, and if you were to deliberately do something that you know in your heart is meant to like anger or provoke the the world the unseen world that you kind of deserve what's coming to you so i kind of grew up both simultaneously believing that ghosts are real and also fervently believing ghosts are not real um (laughs) and so doing something like let's say going for a walk in a graveyard super fun for me i love that i love the history of it i also i i like i like thinking about mortality and and what that means um but then coming home and being like I don't know, throwing wide open the door of our shared apartment and shouting into the hallway, any ghosts that followed us are welcome in the house would be a really bad move Um, and maybe make me really mad. And that maybe Sloan, would you like to jump in? Yeah, so here's my take on that. Like if there are ghosts, you know, let's just, let's just, you know, if we're print, if, if, if we think that there are ghosts, and we're trying to do what we can to not make them mad. Why do you think that leaving them to stand outside <laughs> is more appropriate absolutely. Um, than being a than being like a kind sort of you know host um, for for our spiritual friends? Yeah. Um, it's a different take on like the one person in the relationship who's putting out saucers of milk for the cats, yes. the stray cats, <laughs> and the that other person who's saying they're fully. a nuisance. <laughs> That is it. That is an apt metaphor. Yes, I'm. Fully. I'm opening our door and tripping over like three saucers of milk. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, I grew up um, not really being. My parents didn't really have much opinions on ghosts, and I slowly, you know, became more and more goth as I grew up. Um, and that just. 
I don't know. I love them. I love the idea of them. They seem cool. And gosh, I don't know. Love to have a ghost friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this episode, I would say, did was not so goth. No. No, no. very much not. <laughs> Maybe for like 10 seconds in the middle. Oh, <laughs> that was a fun part. Yeah, we'll get there. Awesome. We're, we're well situated to talk about all that ghost stuff. Let's kind of see where you're coming at from the, the subject matter as well. So anime stuff. Mm. How much, mm. if any, have you seen? Tell, tell us about it. I'd say a fair amount, um, although I, I don't necessarily have anime breadth, I have anime depth, let's put it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. It's more, I have a few beloved series that I've, you know, rewatched multiple times even. Um, I think that Sloan and I both grew up watching Toonami, uh, which mm-hmm. I think was a lot of teen, preteens in the, in the aughts, expo- first point of exposure to, to anime. Um and it was great when we first started dating. We both sort of had this like half memory, which I've since had with other people, by the way, this half memory of an anime that like had like this cool space guy and then ships that had arms and shot guns. And Outlaw it was Outlaw Star. Star. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I have had, um, uh, again, like I said, like multiple people who where we sort of both discovered that we had a love of anime and it started with Toonami and like, gosh, there was this one show that had this cool guy. And I was like, Outlaw Star, Outlaw Star, it's Outlaw Star. And it's like, what are those things like Shazam versus Kazam? where like, I don't know why nobody can remember it, but um, yeah. So, and then just quickly, like, other than that, Cowboy Bebop and uh, yeah. pretty much anything that Trigger has done. Yu Yu Hakusho. Yu Yu Hakusho, we just rewatched. Oh, and oh so my good. god. A god Talking about delight. ghosts. It yeah. holds up. Oh, it's another time. detective show about ghosts, and it holds up. It's it really good. does. Yeah. Um, so so Sloan, you had a similar background with Toonami? Oh, very much, yeah. Um I I I loved, you know, like I started watching it. I think it came on the air around like middle school or high school for for us, and I had come home and that's pretty much what I would do with my first like hour or two after school. I would just like turn on the TV and watch whatever was on. Um, largely, you know, similarly, uh, the same same stuff. Um, Outlaw Star, Cowboy Bebop. Um, I think they only aired Yu Yu Hakusho pretty late at night, but um, that was a fun one. Um, beyond the things that I had access to, I didn't really do a lot of like searching out, but I loved, you know, these are things that I've rewatched over the years and come back to and yeah it was it was it was a fun and informative sort of thing for me cool so next i want to ask you all about mystery stuff so that could be anything uh books movies podcasts television are you mystery people in any of those or other areas I um I I love a good mystery. I really when I, I I have some pretty fond memories growing up and going to see like mystery theaters with my parents. It was only yes. ever like once or twice, but you know we'd go and they'd have um something by Agatha Christie, uh obviously, and those are always just delightful. Um, I tried reading Sherlock Holmes as a kid, but those are actually very dry, and I thought they were pretty boring. Yeah, but um, I loved the idea. Um, the Great Mouse Detective was also very dope. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. Radigan. <laughs> yes, Radigan. And I'm a I, I I think that actually some of my fondest 
kind of fun things with friends have, I guess, actually socially have been kind of mystery related. So I did famously write a murder mystery dinner party. <laughs> right. Um, I heard about yes. that. And then I think some of my favorite kind of like fun to watch, fun to participate in kind of live theater it is murder mystery stuff like it is just sort of fun to sit there and, and enjoy it in that way but um i have as as i alluded to a real a real fear of the spooky so um <laughs> it's always a little bit uh trepidatious for me i gotta kind of scout out the scene before i can commit to it we did recently watch knives out though and goddamn, oh, it was so good oh yeah it was so good that was really a delight all right, so let's put two and two together. Before you watched uh, these th- these three episodes, this one, Murder Mystery, today, had you seen any detective or mystery anime? No, no. Oh, well, oh, sorry, detective or mystery. I mean, if you, Yu Hakusho counts, then yes. But The spirit detective, yeah. yeah. Does it count? <laughs> He's not, like, solving murder mysteries It counts until it becomes a, a fighting tournament anime. Yeah. Then it, before that, it kind of counts. Okay. So maybe, so, so maybe a little <laughs> bit. But it, it's just, in that realm of there's a mystery, but... None of the answers make sense, so you yeah. can't figure it out. It's yeah. all just spooky nonsense. Yeah, so. spooky nonsense. Also, that classic pivot from police procedural to fighting tournament. Gotta, gotta love it. <laughs> <laughs> classic. <laughs> just like that last season of NYPD Blue we don't talk about. <laughs> I would watch that show if that's what I would. I would fully watch, you know, like a, like a dick wolf drama just shifting right into a battle royale. If it just um, becomes the Thunderdome yeah. from Mad Max. Uh, oh, yeah. my God. And Absolutely. Whitney Houston is still there for some reason. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah uh, that would be great. I mean, that's effectively what Mad Max is, because Mad Max was a police officer. Okay. Oh, like, wow. Pre, you wow. know, apocalypse. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Let's pull a path. I've only seen Fury Road. Oh, oh my well, gosh. Noah. Well, listen, listen, I no, I'm not going to shame that. Like, I... I'm, I'm, it's not shame, but like, it's, it's, it's just surprise. It's so good. You can see it. Uh, is it? Is it though? I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay, okay. Sloan, how about you and Detective Anime? Um, I think, obviously, Hakusho, which we mentioned. Um, The other two that I saw were... I I loved Detective Conan. And I also... I don't know if this counts as a murder one, but it's crime involved. Lupin the Third. Lupin the Third! We're definitely going to watch some of that. I think it crosses over with Detective Conan, which is excuse enough for me. Yeah. Um, our podcast has a difficult relationship with Detective Conan <laughs> because I realized there's so much of it that if we just start watching it, we'll be just be a Detective Conan Absolutely. podcast. It's fantastic and we love it and we're going to watch buck it. Wild. <laughs> it is It is such a wild <laughs> show. The premise is ridiculous and I love it. <laughs> yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's talk about this anime. Oh my God. Michael, can you just remind us, we're watching Detective Academy Q. What is this anime about? What's going on? Uh, so we've got a group of youngsters, all with unique abilities that are mostly their entire personality. <laughs> yeah. Uh, attending a, a weird uh, detective high school, DDS, which is a high school where they mostly only learn about being detectives. Yes. Uh, and apparently they've been uniquely selected to to take over for oh, yeah. the, the headmaster of the school, our, our weird Professor Xavier character, Don Morihiko. Yeah. Uh, for whom DDS or Don Detective School is named. We'll see how that, we'll see how all that plays out. I'm so excited. Um, the first thing that you see whenever you see these episodes, opening song. Oh, oh my song, God. Amelia. <laughs> What's your take on it? Dispassionate, out of tune. 
bad. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I've grown to really into I, it. Okay, I think it's a bop. <laughs> 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 it starts uh, off with a very, very weird kind of like, like, uh, aughts girls, girl band kind of melody, like a little, this is profane of me to say, a little Destiny's Child. Like, it's a little like... That is profane. <laughs> it is. I recognize that. But then it, it really, it goes through about three genres in the span of It checks minutes. boxes. Yes. It fully checks boxes. <laughs> so we've got... Th- three episodes uh, that carry us through the murder mystery. So the first one is episode 12, which is called A Curse Breaks Out, The Seance Murder Case. And it starts out with Q coming home to find a girl waiting for him. And boy, is hot mom excited. (gasps) Can we talk about hot horny mom? mom. We got to talk about hot horny mom. So let's talk about the mom and let's talk about Q. What did you all make of the mom and what did you all make of Q? Okay, first of all. Mom was the best character. Yeah, mom mom is wearing an apron that says hot and then has a tea pouring into a teacup. So she's wearing literally a hot tea apron. (laughs) Yes, a hot tea apron. she, (laughs) She is just living for the drama she is here. She is a she is a pot stirring horny mom. Big pervert. Uh, <laughs> big pervert. And this is the most personality we have seen her show thus that, far. She's she's usually just tired and exhausted oh. because Q is tired and ex- tiring and exhausted. Oh, that's fair. I mean, but okay. So clearly, then all the more reason that like she clearly gets her life from the idea of young people boning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's what's going on is like Q has only had any interest in in mysteries. So she sees him with a girl and she's like, oh, <laughs> can I ask both of you a question, mm-hmm. though? Did either of you catch mom's name? Mm, absolutely not. We saw no, her and we said not. hot tea mom. And that was it. She doesn't have one. She doesn't have a name yet. As far as we know. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Several appearances. No, no name. Uh, what, did, what did you make of Q throughout these episodes? Um, kind of a blank slate. Mm-hmm. Um, comes in like five minutes to midnight with the answer and <laughs> yeah. also has sort of like a sociopathic um, just approach to, you interacting. know, interacting <laughs> with people. Which we can get to. Um, yeah, we we'll get to it. We'll yeah. get to that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, bedside manner as a detective, <laughs> which leaves something to be desired. Yeah. And you can kind of get from his centrality in the the murder and the fact that his name is in the title of the show yeah. and their class, or in, in punny ways, that he's the main character. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it, and, it, and it does sort of seem, and, and you know, we're going to be harsh, I think. We're going to be harsh in general, so I just want mm-hmm. you guys to know that. We're the, Ooh, we're the mean, ouch. mean judges. Get ready, the- buckle up. <laughs> but I will say we did enjoy it. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. But I would say with my mean judge hat on, he's definitely just a blank slate. He's the protagonist just because he's the protagonist, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it didn't really seem to bring a lot of uh, oomph to the proceedings. Yeah, I see that. He's got very few characteristics beyond being Q who solves mysteries. Mm -hmm. Um, So... The, there's this girl, which mom is, like, so excited to set him up with. She, like, does that mom thing where she's like, oh, I'm needed at the store. I'll go get snacks. Bye. To leave them alone. Mm-hmm. And then we, we get the setup for the, the murder that's going to happen. Uh, so, yeah, this is, we meet Kaoru. Kaoru yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk. Uh, and basically, uh, her mother passed in an accident. And this uh, 
medium has shown up at her house and is like, I am, ch- I'm, I got a letter from your mom, uh, that she sent to me before she died. And, uh, I'm, I'm here to, to help you find her will. I'm the only one who can communicate with her. And she's like, I don't believe this. And you're a detective. So, uh, come oust this faker for me is basically the setup. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that? Just that I am very proud of myself for (laughs) guessing not the main part of the murder at this point, but the twist. Yes. Oh my gosh. Am I the only person who didn't guess the twist until it was close to being revealed? I think so. We, I guessed um, it. I, All right. No, I'm, I'm, unfortunately, I'm, I'm with Noah on this one, actually. <laughs> <laughs> like, two two. like, as soon as they started introducing it, everything clicked into place and it was super obvious. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but it didn't all occur to me. So now we're going to meet the other members of Class Q because Q is going to invite them to the seance. Yeah. So there's four mm-hmm. of them. Uh, the first one is Megu. Um, so we... <laughs> Pigtails. Yeah, yeah, yes. we, I know uh... who she is. Sloan, do you want to share what you said to me to sum up all of these characters? <laughs> oh, yeah, they just yeah, like, yeah. full-on copy-paste anime characters, like discount, like bargain bin versions so, of, like, other anime. So I'm going to just read to you our Costco. So Megu, to me, is pubescent chibi moon. Yeah. <laughs> the younger version of Sailor Moon yeah, from correct. that show. No, that's her daughter. Yeah. Oh, her, her daughter. daughter who has that classic hairstyle with pink with the two little pigtails. Uh Chibi Moon is of course really little. Megu is Chibi Moon plus 10 years. <laughs> so next up is Kinta, who's the tall one. Uh that was Discount Spike. <laughs> yeah. Also it was like it was like an amalgamation of like Spike from Cowboy Bebop and Brock from Pokémon. Right? Yeah. Like, just fused into one character. We've heard Brock before. He always looks way too old. <laughs> Very. Then there's the small one, Cosma. Yeah, I just wrote baseball glasses, kid. Yeah, <laughs> classic. Yeah, like he's picking his fantasy league all the time. <laughs> his other traits are being a computer guy and uh, being super rich. He also was not wearing his trademark uh, beanie that most people yeah. have identified him by up to this point. Yeah. Oh. Makes it hard. It's very, very misleading. Uh, and the last one is Ryu, who actually just joined the team recently. Okay. Far and away our fave. <laughs> Androgynous, uh, Androgynous. Kusanagi from uh, Ghost in the Shell. Just Fully. same exact haircut, same color. Yeah, they're really playing up. They're really separating him from the rest of the boys in this episode. Yeah. This series of episodes. Well, he's got that like necklace that looks, you, Amelia pointed this out, that looks like that like vibrator necklace. Entirely. I don't know if y'all are familiar. <laughs> Not quite. Notice the necklace. We will go back. And yeah, check it's, it's it like out. a little stick. Yeah, oh, dear. Yep, it's a little <laughs> stick. And if you are at all familiar with the universe of uh, uh, luxury jewelry crossover sex toys, um, there is a a vibrator necklace <laughs> that I will always remember because it was it was literally pitched in its early advertising copy as like. For stylish executives. So, like, (laughs) like women, I just, you know, which, look, catch catch a moment for yourself in that corner office, girl. I'm for, I am for it. 
But yeah, it was like, no one will ever know. And I'm like, that's absolutely not true. I now know exactly what that is. And if I ever see you wearing it, I know exactly what it is. Why would you ever need motivation to wear it around? I don't know. There's so many other big business perverts. Part of the thrill. (laughs) You're the king, I guess. Yeah. I'm not going to yuck anyone's yum, but that's weird. Confident pervert. I think, yeah, so Ryu, for, for sure... Uh, was, yeah, the major from the Ghost in the Shell as an andro high school boy wearing a vibrator necklace. And I liked it. Yeah, that's a hot take. Those are most of the characters uh, recurring in this episode who we've seen before, except for some of the teachers from the school. And in this scene, they're like talking about, should we go to the murder or not? And the headmaster who you mentioned earlier, Mike, comes in and kind of talks them into it. There's this like 007 music that plays when he comes in. Did anybody else pick up on the music cue here? Oh, I usually catch those. I missed this one. It was like da na da na 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 da na na like that sort of thing. Yeah, very dramatic. Yeah. That w- I did actually notice that. I have to say, my favorite moment is when one teacher was a chair. Yes, <laughs> tell us about it. <laughs> so like. The principal has just ushered the children out of the room with detective platitudes. He turns back and he's like, and what did you think, colleague? And there's fully just a chair. And then, <laughs> like there's a, a tablecloth on it and it whips off. And it's another another teacher posing as a chair. <laughs> That's Nanami, who's the detective, who's the uh, disguise teacher. As yeah. far as we can guess, because he's never been formally introduced. He just keeps disguising himself as things. And yeah. Then- so far, uh, in addition to this episode where he disguises himself as a chair and as one of the characters, he has also disguised himself as um, a mall panda. A cactus. A cactus. Ooh. A what sign is a in the park. It's like um, a, ma- a panda mascot costume that you find in the mall. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> um, gotcha. <laughs> it's that like tracks. a mall Just... goth, you know, mall panda. <laughs> 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 they just need somewhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> and hiding behind trees. I think those are his main things. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Don tells him to go disguise himself as one of the guests, which set me up to be like, ooh, who's he going to be? Yeah, yeah. The ostensible reason I assumed, and which I think, I hope I'm not jumping ahead, was to like stop anything nefarious or too out of control from going down, right? Phenomenally failed at that task. <laughs> but also maybe just like, spy on them to report back to Don. Yeah, he's evaluating them. He's invested in in how they're progressing as detectives. Yes, the big dramatic reveal from the previous episodes is that this specific group of students, he has chosen to be his potential successors. So he's got, like, his little spy keeping an eye on them. And let's also be clear that, as of yet, the teachers have shown very little actual concern for their students' safety. And so I doubt very much that (laughs) that they would be trying to keep them safe. Because they just um, let them it's into not dangerous only like the situations. Students, though, like there's just like an. It seems like there's an active disregard for trying to prevent <laughs> the loss of human life at all. Like they are, <laughs> they are, they like they just sort of let it happen, and are more interested in the thrill of the chase. Yeah, if you prevent all the murders, there's nothing to solve, and there's right. there's no reason to be detectives. Yeah, you right, don't want to work right. yourself out of a job. Yeah. So we get to the house. And we have this little scene where they meet her, where the, all the other characters meet Kaoru for the first time. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the, the parts where Ryu kind of st- stood out because Kazuma, Kinta, and Q were all like, oh, she's so pretty. And and Ryu was just kind of... Well, so I felt, and uh, people who have heard the previous episode know I have a running theory 
uh, that Ryu might they might be disguising this character, and they're like, "We're disguising him as a boy," but surprise, it's a girl character. So that is something that we, we it would happen in an anime. Yes, so uh, it would. And and can I? I'm gonna plus one that Mike. I feel like that. So I noticed that at the end credits. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about the end credits on their own yeah. as well. Yeah. But at the end credits, they flash like, you know, the, the sort of the, the classic kind of like Apple slideshow images slowly <laughs> drifting. Um, there's, uh, you know, the groupings are the three uh, cis male characters. Cosmic and then, Kinta and Q. And Q. And then there's Ryu and Megu together on yes. their own slide. And I that I also clocked that I did not think disguise. I more thought, okay, I I and I'm not. I would be really curious what our resident anime expert has to say about this. <laughs> I, just from watching a lot of anime, I think of like Karama characters from Yu Gi Oh and and the like, where there is a character of the more feminine male lead who is either a direct insert for the gay audience or for the female audience, but is typically sort of treated as a femme character in the sense that they don't engage in a lot of the kind of bad machismo bullshit and they never hit on anybody. And I just didn't know if Ryu was that flavor of of man. Well, they they introduced him specifically as a Bishonen. The yes. Bishonen detective. But I feel like they're just, they're hitting it a little too hard. Yeah. And there is, I, I've seen a few oh anime God. where they have this idea of like a character, a female character, quote, like living as a male character or being raised yeah, as a male character for various reasons. Yeah, it's not always done in the best ways. And something I noticed in the end theme was not only uh, Ryu was, was grouped with Megu, but everyone else had a pretty revealing outfit on and Ryu was Swimsuits. like, hoodie. Swimsuits. Ooh, yeah, okay. we'll see, we'll see. That's true. Well, listen, on the basis of the vibrator necklace, Ryu's very in touch with <laughs> so, some aspect of femininity. And, and <laughs> if that's personal or just outward facing, I applaud it. Yeah. yeah we, we're going to have to discover that as we go along. Yep. This next part of the episode is something that's always one of the parts I look forward to. It's the clear introduction of all the suspects. No one's been murdered, so I don't know if we can call them suspects yet. We also get a lot of background in this scene on like some of the family drama that's going on. So boy, do we have a lot of characters to introduce. The first one is the butler, Otaguru Tamotsu, who's just like a pretty standard butler just guy. He's a butler. Um, and then we meet the two sons. So Kaoru's mom had died six months ago. These are her two older brothers, uh, Ichinose Tamohiko and Ichinose Akihiko. Uh, Tamohiko is older. Any notes on their appearances? The older one had like a hello jacket and the younger one had like spiky hair and kind of an open popped collary thing going on. Hello. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Every every time he was in the room, Sloan would turn to me and go, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I love, yeah, the, just the jacket that says like hello or something like that. Is it a it. jacket? It's like weirdly open v-necky. Sweatshirt. Yeah, it's like a weird polo. I, I thought it was a uh, baseball jersey jacket. <laughs> you know the ones that are like they they have buttons up the middle and then but it's like a V neck situation. Yeah. And the two brothers bicker a little bit about the inheritance. That's the first we catch wind of that. And then we meet the aunt and the uncle. Yeah. They have kind of big eyes and round faces. And they're just generally shitty people. Like the the very like stereotypical. We're at the will reading. Oh yeah. Uh, we want money. We're shitty. Holy. Well, something, something that I noticed, or at least, I, I don't know if Amelia doesn't think it's as big of a deal to me as, as I thought of, it seemed like 
every character that was supposed to be old had like gray hair, but <laughs> no wrinkles. Like everyone has really great skin <laughs> in this show. I guess they're not that old because we have seen characters with wrinkles before. I yes, feel like. we have. Yeah. The butler okay. had okay. wrinkles. The butler had wrinkles. So really, it's just good genes in the family. They, they, yeah. they, their skin was tight and glossy. Yes. Um, Hold on. And the aunt's name is Kusaka Sachio, and the uncle's name is Kusaka Shohei. I'll probably just refer to them as aunt and uncle, honestly. Yeah. That's fine. Mm-hmm. And we also learned that the father had died much earlier than the mother, and so the mother raised the three kids by herself and ran the company along with the uncle. I'd say that they all of the family members were kind of very clearly meant to be uh, sort of untrustworthy. Like right, you mentioned yes. the brothers bickered. They also said things that made them sound really ungrateful. Oh, yeah. Aunt and uncle just had that kind of like faker vibe. Yes. Yeah. And we learn more later, which is that Karu really like grew up with her brothers and they were really great to grow up with. But then recently, as the family got more and more money, they turned respectively to women and gang. One of them was like a playboy. And one of them is like a very stereotypical uh, Japanese high school gang member yeah the white jacket and the bandages around the waist it's a whole Uh thing it's a whole thing and the and the the way they showed him with his gang members and it was like a beautiful mural almost of all of them like riding the highway and my initial thought was that looks fun as hell (laughs) (laughs) if we're if we're talking about yu yu Hakusho, he's the kuwabara essentially yes 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 yes, yes. that name sounds familiar to me but doesn't quite conjure up an image. <laughs> so, the other, the last character that we meet right now is Nabajima Sayaka, who is the secretary that worked underneath the mom. The mom was company president, and um, the company's been doing well because the secretary and uncle have been running it in her absence. But the, but we also learn about this life insurance. Oh yeah, which the company got and kind of saved it after the mom died. Amelia, I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. Because you did describe yourself as a business person. Yes. You have a business degree. Yes, I do. What, what do you make of like the company dynamics here? Any insights into... Um... Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, uh, that was a very high on uh, um, my mind, actually, as we, as we watched this. God, uh, grad school can really change a person. Um, yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, so actually, and this might be more relevant as we talk about the ending and why it's yeah. actually far more insidious than it seems. Oh, it sure is. It would be, okay, if it's a family-owned business, which it appears to be, if the mother and the uncle are running it together, and we assume that they have like 100% equity, um, and this is a private company, which which many companies in Japan are. I know the Japan Japan's First of all, business laws, markets, everything's different. Even banking is really very different. So I don't want to – I'm operating off of fairly scant knowledge there. But long story short, like if if your company is 100% owned by you, you could – let us say uh, uh, if you have some sort of legal entity that represents uh, your finances and the company's finances, you could – collect life insurance from a family member and decide to inject it into the company. And I don't really understand necessarily why the life insurance of a CEO would be like exponentially higher than the life insurance payout of just a wealthy, healthy person. Yeah. Um, that didn't necessarily make sense to me as a beat. 
uh, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, the only thing I can add here is that I know uh, to some degree uh, that in Japanese culture, there's like almost a stigma that at this point that everything is inherited at this point, like companies are inherited by the company president's yeah. children, government positions are inherited by the government officials' children. It's like a big problem. So yeah, nepotism. I mean, yeah. this is something that could also happen in the US, though, to be clear, uh, family owned business, uh, you could certainly have the CEO appoint a family member to be CEO. Um, and you could definitely put your life insurance money back into the into the business. So yeah, if if for example, Kaoru technically was the sole inheritor of of her of her mom's fortune, that would mean Kaoru would probably own a significant part of the company now. And what we learn is that her aunt would have guardianship over her. So if it went to Kaoru, her aunt would have at least some kind of temporary control. That's is what correct. they tell us. Yeah. Correct. It's interesting because you mentioned Knives Out. Knives Out is also like an inheritance murder mystery. Very common way mm-hmm. to set up a murder mystery to have a missing will and mm-hmm. people start dying left and right. I mean, it's literally the the plot behind Clue. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> true. So now we meet the spirit medium. We're gonna bring ghosts into this into this picture into this drama. Her name is Asakura Kose. Um, yeah, her getup is, we were talking a little bit about it earlier. It's kind of very cultural to Japan. Like, I've never seen anything like it outside of anime, personally. Is her outfit cultural to Japan? I don't, I don't, couldn't tell what culture her outfit was supposed to be or was trying to be, honestly. Yeah. Well, it's cultural to the, the, the representations in anime of, like, spiritualists. Mm. But yeah, mm. to me, it almost is, like, pharaoh-like or Egyptian-like. I, I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was actually borrowing heavily from just, like, weird tropes of what gypsies look like. Yeah, that's sort gypsies. of the, the okay. vibe I got off of it, yeah. 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 The, so maybe it's more of, like, that's what they turn to in anime to symbolize spirituality is this kind of gypsy idea. Yeah, I think so. There was, like, a, it just struck me as as what that was. And, and the fact that there was, you know, and this is significant, the objects on the table that she was using during her summoning all seemed like kind of... I don't know. Yeah, the Yu-Gi-Oh knife. <laughs> yeah, there was a Yu-Gi-Oh knife and like a book and yeah, um, all sorts of stuff like that. There's a word for that. Uh, Gnostic. Weird Gnostic stuff. That's yeah. like somewhere between religion and, and full pagan spirituality. And by religion, I mean Christianity. One thing I loved here is that like directly after introducing this medium... The, the detective kids are just talking smack on her <laughs> in front of her face. Right Fully. in front of her. Fully. <laughs> she doesn't Fully. react. Yeah. Well, she can hardly hear or see them because she has like this muffler wrapped around her, this super long scarf. The robes are like billowing and long and she has these hexagonal glasses covering her eyes and this headdress on her head. Yep. Uh, like the full, the full, the full getup. My favorite part of them talking about her is Kazuma. Who Googles her? Oh, that's right. Oh my god, yes! Yes. Zero results. (laughs) On his portable computer that gets internet everywhere. Just standing in front of somebody with your open laptop, Googling them by just name, and then being like, no hits. It's really something else. (laughs) It's savage. It's It's absolutely savage. He always has this computer, but the way they show it in this episode, him just standing there with like the computer in front of his face, saying things and looking things up as needed, is so delicious i love it <laughs> that's great it, this also like is the is the start of like a few moments throughout these episodes where the kids think or at least like 
there's this air of oh we're being relatively like private in this moment they're they're obviously <laughs> talking in front of her face but like there's another part where they go behind some curtains but like everyone in the room is like right there like looking at them and it's like <laughs> you're not actually do like they could probably hear you like it's not <laughs> yeah it's so weird they're you know they're still learning they're still learning yeah we get a flashback to the first seance so the spirit medium had come once and we it was spooky yep <laughs> uh the room is dark the furniture shook we heard the deceased mother's voice and then her handwriting like appeared on a notebook yeah it was a whole thing and Ryu is convinced that seances are stage magic and that the the person is hiding tricks in their billowing clothing. So we meet one last character. Well, there's more characters that come in, but he's yeah, the last so many one. characters. Fujisawa Hiroshi is the assistant. <laughs> and he dresses, I felt immediately, like like a character from like a 1970s era live action Japanese like Kamen Rider kind of thing. Just like his weird jacket. <laughs> yeah. His, like, weird, like, dated hairstyle. He had some necklaces, too, right? Am I making that up? Yeah, I think so. He comes in carrying a tape recorder and a candle, which are vital to the seance. We learn later that he was hired just a few days ago by the uh, medium. He doesn't really know her. He's a stage magician by trade. Okay. And then then the fun really starts. Yeah, so they're, they're about to start the seance, and they're all starting to, like, circle up. And then Ryu is like, oh, no, 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 no. Spread, spread the skeptics out. We're going to put a skeptic between everybody so that we can catch it if something happens. Yeah. So they change the lineup. This becomes important later. Like, yeah. Really important. They kind of had a circle that they had, but there was there are five members of the detectives, Kluul, plus Kaoru, and then six other people, six and six. So they're going to alternate their members of their class with the other people to make sure, like, nobody does anything suspicious. Right. The butler turns off the light and leaves the room. And I love the description of the seance. And Amelia, it reminds me of stuff we've talked about before, mm. where the idea is they're going to blow out the light, the blow mm-hmm. out the candle, and then the ghost will appear. Mm-hmm. Uh, very familiar. <laughs> no, and I did a play where that was uh, exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah. What did you all make of the seance as it as it was happening? I honestly thought some of these dark shots where they were in complete darkness were some of the best like drawings. Oh. In the anime thus far. Like, they they really went all out on it. It was a different color tone than the rest of the show, which was just very brown and beige. Yeah. This was purple and mysterious. Yeah, this is purple. Um, this, I think, was, like, the part of the episode where I just started, like, rubbing my temples and wondering, like, this company is fully letting the decisions be made by uh, either a psychic or a group of high schoolers. And, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it explains a lot. Expl- it explained a lot for me. But also, <laughs> but on the other hand, like also, this was exciting because this was like the meat of the murder mystery. Yes. Moment, yes. Right. You've got a locked door with the butler guarding it. You've got people holding hands in a circle. Uh, at this point on, you're just kind of ticking down like, oh, these are the things I'm going to have to remember to solve this. Yes. So everyone holds their hands and the medium asks them to take multiple steps back in the circle to give some space. Um, yeah. I guess technically it's the assistant saying that on behalf of the medium. Um, uh, the assistant has previously started recording and blowing yeah. out the candle. Um, so again, like just to sum it up, locked door, no one can come in and out. Everybody's holding hands uh, with the person to the left and to the right of them. And it's being audio recorded and it's pitch black. So you start to, 
you have to start, you know, it gets the it gets your gears going. Like what's what's going to happen? It's pretty inconceivable that someone doesn't get murdered. Right. Like, this this <laughs> is definitely the stage for murder. Yeah. So yeah. what happens then is the medium makes a weird noise. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, she's dead. Right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I wasn't sure that the medium was going to be the one that was killed. She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and then everybody, but it's so dark, so they don't see what's happened to her. So there's lots of like, are you okay? What? No, we got to keep doing it. All this stuff back and forth. And then finally, Q, like after a, possibly a full minute, uh, the, the the seance is just like full stop. He's like, wait, is she really okay? <laughs> and so they have to let go of hands to turn their, tur- their hands to turn on the light. And everybody kind of scrambles a bit. And there's some really chaotic shots of that. Um, but when the door is opened and the lights are turned on. Dun, she's dun, been murdered! Dun. What appears been to murdered. have been the chillest stabbing in all of history. <laughs> I was surprised to see a knife in the back of the medium because yeah. I was like, how did someone do that when they were all holding hands? I expected, I don't know, poison or, or something else that would make more sense with, with the setup. And Ryu does his first kind of set of declarations. He does this repeatedly throughout the, these episodes in a very helpful way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Declaring that someone in the room murdered her um, because it was pitch black. And we know no one opened the door because if someone had opened the door, light would have let in. So someone in this room must have killed her. But we just don't know how because we were holding hands. Yep. And that's... Is that the end of the episode? No, we still have the police show up. Yeah, I thought oh it was... My it, oh, my God. It gosh. felt like the this end of the, the episode. But, yeah, there's a little bit where, where the police come in. This guy, I enjoyed Odajima. He's the, he comes from the criminal investigations department. Kind of scruffy with a polka dot tie. The polka dot tie we noticed as well. Fully yeah. incompetent. Yeah. And well, he is kind of gruff about the kids being there and exploring the crime scene. They're posing for some reason as a detective club and not as members of DDS. Well, that's what the butler said and nobody refuted it. Yeah, because if they said they were members of DDS, they usually are allowed to stay at crime scenes for other inexplicable reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I see. Oh, you're, 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 you're children in school. You're not just children at a club. You're children in school. So now that's okay. <laughs> it's really unclear why they just... Dis- they hide the fact, right? Except that maybe that they were maybe feeling bad about relying on the clout of the school in an earlier episode. So yeah. I don't know if that was it. In previous episodes, yeah, they show up at murder scenes that they weren't invited to, flash their notebook with the DDS badge on it, and the police are like, "Yes, please touch everything in this room." Oh my god! <laughs> well, so in this case, they're like active participants, possibly suspects. Uh, yeah, in the murder. Right? Um, and this is also like where I think there's some shared DNA between uh, Detective Academy Q and Detective Conan, where there's like children detectives who somehow stumble into a murder before it happens, mind you. And then uh, the police show up and are completely inept. Um, well, you gotta love it. Yeah, it's so, so good. wait. Therefore, the children's, on just like a statistical level, the children's presence is a better indicator of an (laughs) imminent murder than anything else. Absolutely. (laughs) It sure is. Um, So Cosma pulls out his computer to do a graphic of where everyone was standing Mm -hmm. uh, and calls on Megu because uh, Megu has a photographic memory. It's a a thing in this anime, Michael. It's not a thing in real life. (laughs) So going clockwise, here's how people were standing. The, oh my god, you wrote it down. I did. The eldest son, Q, the aunt, Kaoru, the uncle, Kinta, the middle son, Ryu, secretary, Kazuma, the assistant medium, and then Megu. Great. Great. 
Great. And if you'd like to create a, a perfect visual representation of how Baseball Glasses Kid did this on his computer, you can find an, a copy of Windows 95. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lovely dated graphic. And then open a nice, like, what does the future look like wallpaper with green line, like a green line <laughs> grid over a black background, and then draw just a regular graph on top of it. It gave yeah. me, yep. like, major Jurassic Park flashbacks, right? Oh, like, yeah. where you have this, like hyper like quote-unquote futuristic looking ui absolute garbage totally (laughs) nonsensical so there's a there's a couple other things that happen in this discussion none of it is very fruitful kinta has a theory that uh the murderer did it with his feet because they were all holding hands yep which is just about as credible as anything else kinta ever has to contribute i love he he picks up his shoe with his toes and flings it at cosma and knocks him over Oh, I thought he hit Q in the face. Was it Kazuma? I think it was Kazuma. No, it was Kazuma. Okay. It was Kazuma. Okay. Yeah. But also, I remember, he's like, I felt, I felt a thrill. He's not. He's in the. He's heading in the right direction, though, which is the wildest thing. Yeah. 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 Right, because they do make reference to this later. Yeah. Other notable thing they point out is that there was no blood spatter on the clothes, even though she was stabbed. Which yep, means very chill stabbing. Yep. That the murderer wouldn't be expected to have blood on them. She just had so much clothes it soaked it right up. So Ryu declares in his way, it's a well-planned murder. The culprit is one of us. That's very similar to the moment earlier where he said a very similar thing, except this one ends the episode. Yes, now the episode actually ends. (laughs) And now our our usual question, did either of you uh, hang around after the credits? So, Sloan, you did, right? Because I walked away to use the restroom, but you saw some weird thing about (laughs) bathtubs and underwear. Oh my, yeah, it was was the... There are there are um, horny moms abound in this show. <laughs> Second horny mom that we're introduced to. Um, so it was Megu taking a bath and just sort of like not quite fantasizing, but just like talking about the main character and getting like blushing and stuff. It was weird. Okay, she's jealous so. because Q was like f- maybe fawning over Kaoru a little bit. Oh, yeah. Was he, though? Q is one of the most wooden people <laughs> ever. Barely, like, was, yeah. I don't know. Negative chemistry. <laughs> yeah. That was that was a pretty weird one. I liked the other two endings well, a little better. The one thing one. that stuck out to me there is I don't know why she asked, but the mom or was it the older sister? It was... It was the, the the mysterious voice off screen yeah. asked if she should buy Megu iris-colored panties. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, that's I why don't I was, understand I that. she was horny, because she was like... Q has been sneaking peeks. But why iris colored? Like, I don't I don't know. I don't get it. Is Q's favorite color purple? Is Does Q have purple eyes? Actually, purple's the color I really associate with Bishy, uh, Bishy Detective Ryo. Oh, yeah. so. hmm. I don't know. Maybe there's a cultural thing, like it symbolizes... Yeah. Oh, like the sauciness. language of flowers? Oh, no, no, I have to look it up. Yeah, just color, color associations. Yeah. While you do that... Uh, we're, we're heading into episode 13. The title of this one is Evil Spirit in the Locked Room, The Unstoppable Murders. <laughs> there's like an almost, there's a second murder which is almost inconsequential in the end. Absolutely. Which is, I feel like a lot of these murders wild. were probably actually stoppable though. <laughs> yeah. Okay, in the language of flowers, iris, uh, white irises are ideal for a bride's bouquet because they symbolize purity. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Thank so you, Michael. why do they not just say white? I mean, obviously these are like, um, 
translated. Like we. I'm gonna yeah, make a Google true. search right. that I'm gonna regret deeply and just put in lilac underpants. <laughs> <laughs> if you're following around along at home, you can uh, Google that as well. Yeah. <laughs> but be prepared to get the kind of ads I've been getting on my Facebook feed lately about underpants constantly. Michael, <laughs> I didn't love do an it. Under, love an underpants ad. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is also dangerous. Lilac underpants anime. I will pursue this on my own. <laughs> Please keep us updated. So, I just want to remind everyone, because there's a brief scene where Nanami, the disguise teacher, updates Don on what's happening at the school, which is mostly inconsequential. But I had forgotten for a bit that he was hiding as one of the suspects. Yeah. But just remember, he's he's someone in that house. I didn't even realize that. I didn't know he was someone in the house. I was just like, where is he? Is he one of the pieces of furniture? Where, where is he? <laughs> yeah, you, he could have been a chair. He could have been a chair. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, so Q and Kairu have a scene. This is where she tells him about her brothers and Q is like, we're going to get the will back because you're going to find out that your mom cared so much about you or whatnot. And we see the uncle creep creepily over here. He's creeping around the corner and surprise, he's unhappy that they're going to go look for the will. So they all, they're searching for the will. The most notable thing is they find the greenhouse, which is locked. Um, they find kind of all the people just being generally suspicious I don't think it was even too notable what they were specifically they were talking about. They all have motives here. Yeah. I, I, the most notable part is when they come up to the find the, the aunt talking to the uncle in the mother's bedroom. Uh, and she's like wearing her sister's clothes. Yeah. And she's like, well, I'm, I can wear these. That's suspicious. she's dead. And la 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 la. And they have a big yeah. blowout with the brothers. And Megu and Q overhear it. And it's very dramatic. It's now, it's now my favorite time of day. Cookie time! Tea time. And oh, tea time. time. Yeah. Tea time and cookie time. <laughs> it's kind of just an excuse to get everybody back together and to see how antsy they are, mm-hmm. but they are having teas and, and little cookies. And someone someone points out, isn't it? We, like, how can you eat? Like, why are we having snack time yeah. right now? People have died. This is Kazuma <laughs> and Kinta. Kazuma's, like, too sad to eat, and Kinta, nothing's going to stop Kinta, yep. who eats a, a full McDonald's burger for a snack. Hugh, remarkably unmoved by death. Throughout... <laughs> This whole whole arc. <laughs> oh, yeah. We already had exactly one scene where they were like, detectives don't have time to be sad. And right. So we can just take that as carte blanche from now on, that they don't have to feel feelings. Q and Mega had this discussion. Megu had this discussion. Megu was like, I feel like my emotions are getting in the way. And Q is like, no, it's not a problem. But yeah, the, yeah it's, it's maybe something that's a recurring theme, maybe. Mm-hmm. So the ant has gone missing. This is a bad sign. And the only place they haven't looked is the greenhouse, which was locked with a padlock. We saw it earlier. Guess who's the only person with a key? The, the hapless, the hapless uncle. Yes, the uncle is the one with the key, and they unlock the greenhouse. Oh, Noah, silence your notifications. Hold on. Oh, so sorry. they unlock the greenhouse in just a second, but Amelia has sent me uh, this diagram of colors and their meanings in in japanese Ooh! oh my gosh yes the source is wikipedia.org uh and, 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 you know uh, infallible as we know yeah. so i i don't really know what we're getting at here but i really appreciate the purple is translated here as greater virtue lilac i.e lighter purple translated as lesser virtue yeah Ooh. It, it it must be something that someone watching this in their native country would maybe just know what yeah. they were referencing. Hey, listeners, if you know what li- the significance of lilac underpants, drop us an email. At uh, dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com. Great. <laughs> Good plug. 
So they find the ant in the greenhouse. Uh, she's dead. Everyone's she's everyone's there. shocked. It was a pretty intense. Uh, I think we were watching it in slow, and you actually went, "Oh no!" Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was like the. It was a very intense framing, and yeah, uh, like. There's no, there's no real lead up to it. Like they're 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 walking around the um, greenhouse, um, and just immediate like shot of like yeah boom. Now there, the, the top... yeah I had to go back to catch the shot. There was suspenseful music like Donna Donna. Yes. Now the top half of like from below where the the thing is wrapped around her neck and up is blurred. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like yeah, they drew this straight up, and someone went back and was like, oh no. Yeah, yeah. It show. was a little. It was a little uh, violent, censored, yes. censored and violent, yeah. and all those <laughs> things. <laughs> Ultimately, inconsequential to the plot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Weirdly so. Yeah. yeah, it's true. I love Odajima has a freakout, and it, he's the detect. He's the police guy. He's so upset that he's stomping on the floor. Uh, just pointing out how they've now been there and witnessed two murders uh, yes. that they haven't. One of them happened while the police were really investigating something. Yeah. They're not in the room where the murder happened, so I don't know what the police are actually up to. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> also not, like, keeping tabs on any of the suspects. They're just, like, right. free to roam around and commit more murders. And tamper tamper with the house? Yeah, yeah. fully tamper with the house. You'd think after the second murder, the police would be like, now you're staying put. Nope. No, nope. you, you still got freedom. Well, they were suspecting a ghost, which is you know sure. Why yeah, they weren't locking up any of the suspects. Yeah, so we actually solve this. Ryu solves this murder pretty much right away. Um, solves the trick. I thought the trick was just a pretty straightforward, uh, pretty effective. Yeah, a non-hokey, actually locked like, room clever trick. kind of trick. Yeah. Yeah, it was clever. This locked the padlock thing. I think it's worth noting that the police are immediately like, the husband has the key. Yeah. Get this man in jail. ASAP. I need this to be over with. Uh, and also that they had like this wild Adams Family music playing. Yes. Did you guys notice that? Yes. <laughs> the Adams Family theme. I didn't I didn't note the music here. Yeah. We, we had that last episode too. Yeah. And we've had it a I few times it before. I clocked it more as like baseball theme music. Like da 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 da. <laughs> Da, da, yeah. Oh yeah, well, yeah. But that's because it is. That's because it is the Adams family. Yeah, they play at baseball games. Oh wow! wow, wow. Um, oh yeah. So he's about to whisk this guy away. Ryu steps out and is like, "Not so. There could be more than one suspect." And goes on to explain that the way that like your classic key padlock works, you need the key to open the padlock, but you don't need the key to close it. So they had run a fingerprint on the padlock that was on the greenhouse. Yeah. Uh, and it was the uncle's fingerprints on it. But Ryu points out that what could have happened, and he does confirm, the uncle unlocked the padlock and left it on the outside hook unlocked as he went into the greenhouse to search for the will, which his angry mean wife had insisted that he do. Yeah. And while he was doing that, somebody easily could have taken another identical padlock, which Ryu establishes there are like multiple around the ground i love that they're like these padlocks are all over the place they all have different keys but they all look the same they bought a, so they bought a 10 pack on amazon <laughs> yeah this is very realistic points for realism detective <laughs> academy q yeah that someone could have lifted the unlocked padlock that had the fingerprints of the uncle on it and replaced it with their own padlock one that they have the keys right? to yeah. right the one that they have the keys to, allowing them to access this later and then replace the old one. 
at, at, there's a time in the middle when the padlock has switched out, but then by the end, it's the original padlock again that the uncle has the key to. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, straightforward, simple, gets solved right away. Great. And then we get a sort of like little side scene where Q is talking to the secretary yeah. in her office. And they're talking about the letter that the meet the spiritual medium uh, had received. I'm doing air quotes uh, from Kaoru's mother. Yeah. And basically, uh, he's looking at it. He asks to see it, and like the postmark date. The postmark is missing, is so we don't off. know when the letter was actually sent. There's also a second aspect of the letter that Q notices, and I noticed it right away because they drew it right, like they made it yeah. pretty obvious. I don't know if anyone else caught on to the. Other the, thing. the letter's too big for the, the envelope yeah. the way it's cut. Yeah. Also, you know what? I want to give credit to Q because if there is one thing I'm realizing that he did do differently than all of his classmates, he clocked that the secretary was crying at one point. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. And started kind of paying more attention to her. Yeah. And he solely followed up with her about this letter stuff. And so maybe one could make the argument that Q's like more empathetic. And, like, just pays more attention to the emotions of the people around him. I would wholeheartedly disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because there's another very important scene we've skipped over. There is another very important scene that we've skipped over. So Kaoru is on a swing set in, like, a side yard or the backyard. Yeah. um, And Q walks up and starts, like, flirting with her. No, no, let's be... What does he do first? He fully sneaks up on her. Oh, now, right. Oh, Jesus. I didn't this catch is, that. This is, this is by far the most egregious. Like, yeah. like, this happened and Sloan and I were both like, oh, my God, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's, let's, let's replay, right? right? This young woman has had, like, incredible family strife. She's been in tears visibly multiple times. Mother's just dad. Just emotionally, emotionally distressed. Doesn't yeah. even begin to cut it. Her aunt has just been killed by strangulation and her body found hanging in the greenhouse. She's sitting on a, on a swing set, very obviously staring into the middle distance in, like, absolute trauma. And our hero sneaks up on this woman, fully scares her, jumps up from her from behind. Intentionally. And, and intentionally. And is like, why? And she's like, what the fuck are you <laughs> doing? And then proceeds to kind of be like... I'm sure it's all great. Let's look for your mother's will. And yeah. that's going to solve all of this, oh which kicks off like a bunch of searching around the house that kind of does absolutely nothing. Yep. But like just the, how divorced from emotional reality do you actually have to be to sneak up behind somebody whose aunt has just been killed? Right. You got to be cute. Yep. There are a few other things that I think happen in the next episode too, which just foment for me, just like the, the whole, like he is a, not just a ignorant person, but like a bad person. <laughs> I don't know. I took him at his word. I think we can talk about this and we'll, we'll get to it in a second. Because he, he, he's very shortly, he's going to solve the murder. Right, and he right. basically lays it out there. He's like, the solution to this murder is, is devastating. But overall, like you got to know the truth. And there's, there's parts of the truth that will make you happier in the long run than not knowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's get it in. Yeah. <laughs> so what's left of this episode is that our, our cop friend makes what I called his two dumb cop deductions, <laughs> uh, which don't get anything right, but make us think about the two important pieces of evidence yeah. that Q is going to get correct later. Uh, so his first is talking about the circle that they were all arranged in, and he immediately accuses uh, Kaoru of being the murderer of the medium 
because she was the only one not holding hands with a member of the detective club. I'm air quoting right, and I'm one of the DDS kids because she was between her aunt and uncle. So if all three of them were working together, there's a really cute reenactment where we see like them let go of her hand, and it's kind of drawn chibi style, yeah, like big heads. It's like I'm a cute little murder girl, (laughs) Um, and they can cover. But then clearly between the three of them, was there was a dispute, and someone killed the aunt. Logically consistent, but wrong. Right. And this this deduction is torn apart because uh, that isn't how they were originally going to stand. And it was only after uh, Ryu said, no, 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 we're rearranging everybody. Yeah. Uh, that they got stuck together. So there's no way that part could be have been premeditated. Yeah. Uh, and they actually go so far as to have Megu with her photographic memory reconstruct uh the scene before they were rearranged so we know where everybody wanted to stand versus where they, where they right. ended up standing before the seance they were standing in this order uh eldest son assistant medium aunt uncle kinta second son secretary kaoru kazuma then uh the three of them were like nope we want to space ourselves out and they got into that order that i read earlier yes and then we have uh, Gum Cop uh, deduction number two, uh-huh. uh, which is from the, re- the recording of the seance. Yeah. And basically he uh, calls out uh, Kaoru because she kept talking during the time where this, the, the medium could have been murdered and sounded kind of calm. After she let out her kind of cry of distress. Right. She was, the, she was one of the, the first people to talk and the aunt and uncle were also talking a lot as well. Mm-hmm. The other thing I like about how this moment played out is, like, they're literally going... The detective is literally going to open the door and cart these two away. Mm-hmm. And he opens the door and Ryu is on the other side. I don't know how Ryu <laughs> got there. And he heard everything. Ryu is like, stop. I know what's going on. And that's when Ryu, Ryu If I can achieve that once stuff. in my entire life, I think I so. could die happy. If I could just behind, dramatically be behind a door when someone opens it and have the answers... And uh, the episode ends with Q's catchphrase, he has solved the murder. Hinto amits. There are three hints this time. The three hints are the victim's clothing, the conversation on the tape, the similarities between the two circles. But you gotta wait until next week, if you're watching this live, to find out. Yes. We'll get there in just a second. But we gotta talk about the post-credits. So we know that Kazuma, uh, his claim to fame and reason he's a rich 14-year-old or 13-year-old or 12-year-old, I don't know rich kid uh is because he developed a video game by himself and we just see a scene of two high school girls buying the game and like oh i wonder if the maker of this game looks like this cute handsome detective and he's like oh yeah probably and they're like who the fuck are you and that's it that's the whole thing yeah (laughs) so yeah we plot through the end of that episode to kind of get to the exciting deduction part so is there anything else i missed that you all picked up on what do I have here? The yellow polka dot tie is really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so... Uh, yeah, we, we can't miss that. That's it. That's it. <laughs> great, great. Now we're on episode 14. Here we are. This episode is mostly deductions. It's a deduction I episode. I loved this conclusion. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> we will break it down. Episode 14, an announcement from the spiritual world, the forbidden truth. Mm-hmm. The detective rags on cue for like being so... Uh, d- declarative and, and interrupting and whatnot, and tells him that he thought he was the least smart one in the group, to Oof. which Cosma <laughs> agrees. Oof. It is a re- kind of a recurring theme of like Q saying things or doing things that make him look kind of not insightful or not paying attention, but then he always is the one to solve the mystery. Mm-hmm. And the butler was like, let's hear what he has to say. And I, by that point, I had pretty much decided that he was Nami in disguise. Did other people oh, catch yeah. on to that? No, I, that blew yeah. me away. Yeah, I was also surprised. 
Uh, there, there was one thing about that that really bothered me because at this point there is something that they like, if this is their teacher, um, pretending to be the butler, the yes. but, like this teacher has now actively like the, the whole lock sort of thing hint like was, was hinged on the fact that like they asked the butler do like, oh, yeah. are the locks all sort of the same? And he's like, yeah, of course. So he's actively tampering <laughs> with this ongoing investigation. He has, he has also yeah, lied about his identity it. to the police the whole yeah, time. And, fully, I, and I wrote fully. down, isn't that a crime? Yeah. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. <laughs> also, does this family actually have a butler? Right, there has <laughs> to be this actual butler. Oh yeah, somewhere else. I was waiting for that scene. It's a, it's a like a common thing um, in Detective Conan. There's the thief who will disguise himself as other people, and then once it's discovered that that's the thief, you cut to the person in the closet. Right, like, they're with tied their, up with their they underwear have no clothes. because yeah, the yeah, person yeah. has taken their clothes. But when it, where's the real butler? Where is he? Is he dead? Oh no, yeah. he's dead. Unstoppable murder. <laughs> <laughs> So um, we're going to go through the three hints. And this is where Q does his, like, what I'm going to tell you is going to be heartbreaking before before he goes through it. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. at this point, I'm like, oh, yeah, it is. I know. Because I already knew why it was so heartbreaking ages <laughs> mm-hmm. ago. Yeah, I wasn't quite Same. I wasn't quite there yet. Yeah. So the first hint is the clothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was really buck wild, honestly. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> yes! So the clothing was significant because there was no blood on it. The culprit must have known what the victim was going to be wearing and planned accordingly. And so there's a time difference trick involved here is what Q tells us. And the significant piece is the muffler, which is like a long kind of scarf thing that kind of covers her face sometimes and has these long ends that drag down to the floor. Mm-hmm. Now, the victim groaned and we thought that meant that she died, but that's not actually when she died. What happened was we find out now. Uh, there were two killers working together in the moment when the candle went out before they all grabbed each other's hands the killers each put one end of the muffler into their mouth between their teeth between their teeth and then they backed up into a large circle and at that appropriate time they yanked with their heads and choked the medium to the point where she collapsed then when everybody let go of their hands she was just unconscious but not dead in that time when they weren't holding hands they stabbed her Oh boy! <laughs> and there's there's a whole big like aside here, or not big, but like there's a there's a whole aside here, like talking about like the strength of human necks and teeth <laughs> to like justify that this yes. is absolutely a reasonable. <laughs> they actually say mouth strangulation. Yeah. So so okay, right? Because they're like she was strangled. She was, she was strangled, and the deck the the police obviously are like, how the fuck was she strangled? And the answer. Mouth strangulation. <laughs> yeah, I love Cosma like pulling out mouth facts that he's like googling on his computer about the tensile strength of your your grip, and he's just his glasses are glinting above his where, little tiny computer screen. I'm pretty sure if you looked up mouth strangulation, that's the point where you'd be like zero hits. <laughs> <laughs> mouth strangulation, lilac panties, anime. Wherein? <laughs> Hintu, Hintu, Hintu was the recording. So as per our original uh, dumb cop. Uh, deduction, they were implying that the people who were talking during the, the potential murder were the most guilty. But it's in fact, the two people we don't hear from, because their mouths were full of scarf. <laughs> yeah. I, their, mouths were, their mouths were strangling. <laughs> that was the significant thing about the recording. And then the thing about the two circles, 
uh, was that there were two people who didn't move when the circle rearranged. Both times, those two people were on opposite ends of the circle. Mm-hmm. And it was the two brothers. <gasps> Gasp. The two brothers, slutty brother and violent brother. Yeah. Yeah. So sad. Turns out they're both violent brothers. I... The music was more dramatic than every anything I've ever remembered on this show. Oh, it was this full-on like piano version of the opening, right? Uh, was it? There was like a bell tolling. There was anxious violin. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. The the piano part was later. That was yeah. during the sad wow. part. Okay. Well, I mean, as the bell tolls and the violin play is like, can we step inside the minds of these two brothers? <laughs> So, obviously, the rest of the episode will unfurl. But just pausing at this point, you recognize that these two these two brothers, these two possible heirs, have decided the following things. One, the medium summoned to their family gathering is credible enough that she must be killed, lest she reveal the location of their mother's will. This alone, I think, is just such a wild premise for a murder. But then... Step two, these two geniuses, upon realizing that the, the, this, this medium is too dangerous to live, decide to concoct a murder in public while being audio recorded in the, you know what I mean? Like in the most intense fashion. It's just like, I, I, I know that obviously um, we get points for some realism. For example, again, the tensile strength of the human mouth. Um, <laughs> yeah, big, big realism but there. It really was just what ends up happening is so cruel. It's clear that you just really had to bend the mind to get these two guys to be the ones who did it. There was one other moment in the show where I think that there was actually a really cool detail that they did where um, before they reveal who the um, medium was... Or in like the first episode, anytime someone is talking to the medium, the medium like quietly speaks to someone else. And then that person speaks for the medium. So that was actually something that I did notice and was kind of cool. Like once it, once the whole twist is revealed. Right. Right. At the point where Q accuses the two brothers. Yeah. It's supposed to be this very dramatic scene where he points yeah, at them. He does the finger point. But instead, they're like a full three feet apart from each other and in the background there's, there's like a, a plate, plate sitting on the fireplace <laughs> and it looked to me like he was pointing at the plate and i'm like yes the, the plate did it it's hard to point at two people <laughs> <laughs> just draw them closer together this is you have two hands <laughs> this is a mind-blowing coincidence because we we scheduled two mystery guests before we knew that this was our gonna be our first episode with two our murders. first double murder well double wow. murder. two yeah. murderers one plate look that plate that plate came back a couple times. Later, yeah. there's a family photo that's very important. It's next to the plate. It's next <laughs> well, to the plate. They, you know they're rich because they put plates on display. Oh, that's true. Well, I guess that's not just a rich person thing. It's a it's, it's a thing. It's, it's a, an also it's a, we wish we were rich. Yeah, it's a plate person thing. <laughs> <laughs> they're plate people. Plate people. <laughs> they're plate people. Oof, we got sidetracked. Okay. All right, Sloan, can you can you tell us why it's significant that those two had to be the murderers? Um, yes, uh, because as they find out, um, the, uh, whole death of the mother in the first place never even happened. It was, uh... Dun-dun-dun! Dun-dun-dun! It was insurance fraud, and the mom was the medium the whole time. (gasps) But kind of accidental insurance fraud. Like, she didn't plan her own fake death. She was supposed to be on this plane that crashed and wasn't, and then she just took advantage of that. Still a crime. 
as all of this is playing out, I also want to feel, I feel like this is the most dramatic thing we've ever had happen in Detective Academy AQ. This whole sequence, just the way the music is playing and everything is shown and the content of, of the mother actually being the medium, because I don't think we've spelled it out, but that means that her two sons killed her not knowing who she was. Right. Which is the tragedy of it. Yeah. When she was still alive. In front of their sister. Yeah. It's so, so dramatic and melodramatic and sad. Oh, right. In fact, it's so dramatic that the screen shatters into millions of pieces. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Wow. That was a full moment, huh? Uh, that, that was Kaoru's entire life disintegrating before her eyes at Q's hands. Like, all these shocked reactions. Ugh, so good. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, terrible. Terrible. <laughs> what do I mean? Yeah. And then finally, the, one of the brothers breaks down in very sad fashion and dramatically confesses to the murder. So Killing their mother and then their aunt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Side note. Yeah. Again, it's like these two brothers are... Uh, well, and also we didn't go, we, we haven't gotten there yet, but uh, immediately after confessing, the detective is like, oh, go check that the, that the victim is indeed the mother to one of his, you know, cops. And then the two brothers sort of spring into yes. action, steal the firearms from the two police people, look like they're going to make a dastardly break for it, but then just explain they're so ashamed of their behavior that they're going to kill each other. Um, yeah, they point their guns at each other. Ugh. Wild. Wild. Also, I'm a little shook that at this point, you know, in in the timeline of, of this series of events, none of the police have like bothered <laughs> to fig- to like look at the the actual body of the medium, <laughs> right? Well, she's had plastic surgery, so she wouldn't look. Oh like yeah, her. we did. We, we didn't established that. that. Oh, did we? Yeah, I, I, I totally missed that. It's not just a pile of clothes and some really thick glasses. Also, she had plastic. That's surgery. correct. Right. And I think another thing we didn't spell out is that's how she was channeling the mother's spirit. I thought this was really smart, and I'm surprised they haven't used this. I haven't seen this device in other things. The spirit medium yeah. was actually the mother's, so the mother's voice was just her voice. Was her talking. That she was appearing in the dark. And I don't think I've seen that happen, where a medium is actually the spirit they're pretending <laughs> to be. That's yeah. like a... Cl- that's a clever idea. Sort of a it was, one. It was very clever. As kind of obvious as it was in retrospect <laughs> that she was actually the mother. Kind of a yeah. one-time trick. Definitely can't uh, make a full career as a medium on, on that one. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Yeah. Good yeah, it's, yeah, so the secretary does reveal that she had had plastic surgery done when the secretary kind of tells her piece of the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I have to point out, I was suspicious. I was like, how long does full face plastic surgery take to heal? I Googled it recently, and uh, one, the photographs are not good. But two, uh, you know, seven to at most 14 days. That's sort of what people say is 14 days later. Oh, interesting. You are healed. Once again, the commitment to realism on the part of Academy Q is uh, commendable. So we left our... um brother murderers in a standoff where they were holding guns to each other's heads. Yes. And uh, two people step in and disarm them. Kinta and Ninja Butler? Ninja Butler. Yeah. I thought he was just going to pull his face off and be Nanami. Um, we'll skip ahead to that. At the end of the episode, uh, he's in a car along with Don, who's the head of the school that we talked about. And that's when the butler removes his face and is like, surprise, I was Nanami the whole time. Mm-hmm. Nanami's basically like, it'll be hard for them because this was such a devastating case to be a part of. And Don's just like, they got to get over it. Sloan and I would love to, I think, push on that incredible moment, because I believe that what he says, and again, translation being what it is, but 
he says something to the effect of, well, this is an yes. important lesson for them to learn or something like yeah. that, right? Which which is like, you know, they got to get over it, right? <laughs> what but we stopped and we really here? thought hard about like, what what lessons have they learned? And we, I'd like to pose like, because at first I was like, none, there are none lessons. But then um, reflecting on it, we, we came up with four possible learnings. Needed to be here. Let's have it. The four lessons we learned uh, at the Academy for good Q detectives. Lesson number one, whenever possible, actively participate (laughs) in a crime. It's best if you're there ahead of time. Number two, if you are a child, constantly (laughs) interrupt arrests. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Um, If three, if you are an adult, let children solve the crime. And I think this is also reinforced by the the non-action, the deliberate non-action of Ninja yeah, Butler yeah. Nanami, right? And then fourth, it's important to have a good bedside manner whenever possible. Absolutely <laughs> traumatize and devastate yep. your client. <laughs> the person... <sighs> Who hired you to untangle the terrible, scandalous web of lies around her? Um, that will leave yeah. her totally ruined. Yes, leave her publicly ruined. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Without a shadow of a doubt. Those are important lessons. Mm-hmm. We will, I, I'm sure if you opened the Detective Academy, uh, like, personal textbook that they had made just for their school, that's probably on the first page. Mm-hmm. Well, so this is this also brings me back to a point where, where Amelia, when we were watching this, you you uh, noted something at that point, right? Where like the reason why I found him saying like you will ultimately be happy about some of this, like some of these some of this knowledge, really was jarring to me because like she is not only yeah. em- like emotionally scarred here like one her like it's not that her mother died a while ago her mom has been dead or has been like alive and then is murdered again and then it's her brothers um and her aunt is also dead um but now like since this is also insurance fraud it's going to leave her Ooh. ultimately penniless and like completely destroyed yeah her entire life utterly like annihilated yeah at the very end of the episode um oh well so basically they find the will yeah and it turns out the will isn't even a useful will it's just a sad letter it's a very sad yeah yeah Yeah. it's a very sad letter about family togetherness and like returning to who they used to be before you know the mom kind of takes a little blame on herself she says something along the lines of like i was too busy i wasn't paying attention to you and oh oldest brother i was too hard on you younger brother i ignored you or whatever or i was disappointed by your gang affiliations but maybe i should have understood you more and then my dear karu like keep your chin up and that's yeah. kind of it. And Kari reads this and she seems to find like some yeah. energy from it, right? Like some some positive win. I think she's in shock. Probably. But I, I got to say, she's got to hold tight to that because let's make things absolutely clear. Her brothers are very much going yeah. to jail for killing two people. And it would probably in the United States, it would definitely be life. And then um, the secretary is also going to jail. Because she was an accessory to insurance fraud. <laughs> she seemed nice. 
she seems super nice and i'm like really sad that this turned out this way to her but she probably should not have said yes to hey everybody if uh if so if someone ever approaches you for like a great scheme related to insurance fraud please say no and walk away because you never know how it's gonna turn out that feels like that should have been one of the four lessons (laughs) i feel like it should (laughs) have yeah and then again, her guardians are her aunt is um, her aunt is dead, murdered by her brothers, and her uncle, if he is now the sort of sole, uh, this company is done for. Like the the money they put into it from the insurance fraud will ultimately have to get paid back, if not in full, at least in part. On top of which, I imagine the scandal related to this will just completely destroy them. So yeah, they, they, they're probably she better sit, have a nice long walk around that mansion because <laughs> it's gone yeah it, it wasn't a very satisfying ending for me mm-hmm. either i would say and then just to end on a positive note we get the post credit scene where q's like oh yeah i talked to car on the phone she seemed fine and then they all just kind of get <laughs> they all just kind of go pervy face yeah and Megu's like i hate all of you yep that's it <laughs> did, I, did did you all also watch the next week on no no uh, next week on Detective Academy Q is a murder 30 meters underwater. They're all in scuba gear in a locked room 30 meters underwater. What? Hell yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm pretty excited for it. What? Um, so uh, yeah, watch episode 15 and then join us for that next time. S- Sloan, yes. Amelia, Michael, me, all of us. Well, well, how was it? How was that experience? <laughs> It was real good. I I don't know that we lingered on this enough, but like a principal plot device here was the cre- like really credibly believing that a ghost had killed somebody. Yeah. And that this would be evidence that the police would accept. That was the logic that uh we yeah. <laughs> that several characters very sincerely embraced, including well, the police. <laughs> so they were correct. <laughs> I'm just thinking about why why did Cactus Sensei know where the good cookies were and how to serve tea and he knew so much about that household. I Nanami is still my favorite character. I was so happy he was in these episodes. I loved his presence here. I yeah. am, I'm very concerned for these children and also, you know, the the result of this just very atrocious, you know, training they're receiving. Um, yeah it's troubling it's very troubling (laughs) yeah the the last episodes we watched if you want to see some bad teaching that was pretty bad the the four-part episode we covered last time okay oh sloan you had seen some detective conan yes any other like comparisons or well so i thought something that uh michael said early on uh in this uh recap that that we've done uh was that each character is just their sort of functional ability to help solve crimes (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i felt like they probably like if this was detective conan every like they would all just be detect like you could combine them all into like one actual functioning human being yeah, um, <laughs> he doesn't need help. Yeah, he doesn't. He need has help. people. And, uh, he that has was also something that, like, I took note here. Um, you know, was like in Detective Conan, there's this trope of like this child who is like hyper competent, and then the adults are sort of inept. Whereas in this show, there are definitely inept adults and police people, but also the children seem kind of inept, except for like these <laughs> like weird moments where they have these like eureka deductions. 
so that was kind of interesting and fun. Um, Would you all watch more? Am I going to watch more? Um, Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. I, yeah, I think I got uh, I got a lot out of these three episodes, yeah. and you know I, I feel full. I feel satisfied. <laughs> I would say this. I would if if you if you asked us to do this again, I would do so happily um, in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. There's Bye. something else about watching them, knowing you're going to talk about them, yeah. which changes the experience. And I want to cur- encourage our listeners. Um, I'm going to segue. Check this out. Uh, as, if you're watching along or just listening and you have your comments uh, and you and you want them to be heard, send us an email, dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com. You can be part of the conversation, too, uh, and have that experience as well. In fact, we have an email from Dean and Michelle. Ooh. They, they, there's a big time lag here because of we're putting these, we're recording these like a month before we release them. But they sent us in some comments on the first three episodes of the anime, which we covered in episodes one and two of the podcast. The, I'm going to read you some of the stuff they said. Okay. Let's do it. They write. After hearing y'all talk about the show for the last two podcasts, we had to go and watch it for ourselves. It's so funny to see all the scenes you were joking about. The first thing they noticed was Kinta. Kinta looks much older than I imagined he would look. What is this grown-ass <laughs> man doing hanging out with children and trying to go to a detective high school? It's a big it's a big question. He's so tall. He's very and so tall. mature. Yeah. They also had a bunch of comments on Nanami. Those were the episodes where he was dressed up as a cactus, Mm -hmm. and then they pointed out he was dressed up as a panda suit in the forest, but then hiding behind a tree, so why did he need the panda suit? (laughs) He was just going to hide behind a tree. So, loved having your comments. Um, Send that to us, dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com, or find us on Facebook or Twitter. Or send us your erotic uh, Q slash Ryu fanfiction, and I'll read a snippet. And I will forward it (laughs) to Michael (laughs) so that he can do with it what he will. <laughs> yes. Make sure that the vibrating necklace is involved. Yes. Yes. Thank you all so much for joining us. What should we look out for from the two of you that you want to plug or share with us? Oh man, uh, self promotion is like not our forte, and I don't <laughs> actually have anything going on. I had to kind of bully Sloan into even listing Shatter Seal, which is a very <laughs> cool thing that they're working on. So okay. yeah, I don't want to put you on the spot, my love. But <laughs> um, well. <laughs> Uh, why, so uh, let me let me plug for Amelia actually. So um, oh God. the thing that you know she mentioned uh, early on is is it's, it's just like a really cool um, thing where uh, it, it's it's a lot about um, racial injustice uh, and just showing the statistics of it and how um, the like the the actual realities of um a lot of the situation um of racism in america right now and it's pretty intense but also very informative so i found it to be uh you know really helpful um particularly nowadays to just sort of like conceptualize and contextualize um a lot of what is actually happening and that's at collective underscore eight on instagram yep number eight not the not written out right yeah, yeah, check it out if it's helpful. I think the goal was just that, you know, there's so many different and important ways to have that dialogue with people. And insofar as having data sets illustrate the problem um, can yeah. kind of be convincing for people. Um, you know, we are happy to do that work of wading through all of the very, very hidden and obfuscated government data sets that are, in fact, public to access. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's a lot of work to find that information. So that's the goal. Definitely check that out. And then, Sloan, for your project, Shatter Seal, that's on Twitter. 
I'm going to say it again, at Syzygy Gerund. I'm going to spell yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's my personal uh, Twitter handle. There's there's no um, official okay. sort of like site for, for that at the moment, but um, I'll put up put up updates there um it's just a you know um a lot of my friends and i have like enjoy playing tabletop games and we have a lot of different things that um we find interesting and fun about them so we're trying to take um a lot of the you know mechanics and ideas of different different things and that we do really enjoy and try and make like a cohesive sort of different you know alternative to to some of that um so it's been really fun um i'm i'm about to start uh, making some some really early alpha testing, so hopefully it'll it'll go well and actually actually be fun. Um, we'll find out. Uh, so Neat. yeah. So that's at s y z y g y g e r u n d. Yes, <laughs> on Twitter. Well, also at you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, check out our next episode when we cover de- uh, episode fifteen of Detective Academy Q. We are nearing the halfway point of our coverage of Detective Academy Q. We've got some fun stuff planned, um, so so stay tuned there. Subscribe and review wherever you got this podcast. Um, send us that email, dyingmessagepodcast.gmail.com, and uh, hear your comments come back to return to you. Through a medium who sent a letter uh, in your dead mother's handwriting. Yes. Oh, yeah. We, we will make that happen. We'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> we'll make that happen. Oh, um... But I do need to ask about the mystery of the bicycle woman. You ah, solved yes. this mystery. What was that all about? Um, so I can set it up. So we were um, we are currently located in Chicago, and we took a quick trip to Milwaukee, which is uh, very different from very Chicago, different. actually. It was my first time there. Um, we went to a little hotel restaurant for some breakfast. It was, you know, online, like, best brunch, you know, go here. Uh, and it was a cute, like, turn-of-the-century hotel. And they obviously had a lot of decor from that period, too, like 1900s. And as we were sitting and waiting for our table, we sat and we looked uh, at this beautiful Art Nouveau poster that was very large hanging on the wall of this just incredibly sensual, powerful woman her bicycle. pushing a bicycle. Yeah. And it really got us wondering, like, what is this? Because as an artistic, p- is it like a statement about women and bikes? Is it like a kind of early women's lib thing yeah. or, or what? Uh, so we Googled it. And it turned up zero, zero results. It turned up zero results because she was an unknown. <laughs> she wasn't a real spirit medium. <laughs> <laughs> she was actually, uh, yeah, uh, uh, the, the, our dead mom. No. <laughs> oh, what? Uh, <laughs> no. Wow, dark. No. Sloan, what did we find? Oh, uh, we just, yeah, it, it turned into like this really fun little fact hunt um, sort of on the, so it was it was just an advertisement for this bicycle company. Um, but the, the person who started it had this crazy life that we just sort of like traced from his start as at like the very beginnings of bicycles as a hobby, period. Um, and then just sort of, taking that idea and then getting into bicycle racing and then starting a factory for bicycles and then turning that factory into a, an automobile and airplane factory during world war one and two. And like, it's just this wild tale of, um, what was his name? Clement. Um, yes. Adolf Clement, um, a, a Renaissance man. Um, and uh, whose company actually ended up becoming? I need to fact check myself, but uh, 
it became Clement Bayard, and then that ended up becoming like Daimler or something, like some some significant uh, manufacturing company in Europe that made like all airplanes. So um, I need to fact check myself on what that actual company was, but it just ended up being this whole sprawling piece of history because of this one poster of this uh, this very gorgeous woman with a bike. And this hunt you got to go on together. I think what stands out to me, you sent a picture of it and I'm looking at it, is she's dressed like classically with like almost like a toga kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Very flowing. Which is not the kind of person that ever had ridden a bicycle. Mm -hmm. So now I'm just thinking (laughs) about like ancient Greek and Roman gods and goddesses riding bicycles. Just around Mount Olympus. Yeah, just around Mount Olympus. <laughs> I think that could make a good anime, too. That's totally something they would do. Her- Hermes as, like, a post-made spice us would just be perfect. <laughs> and that closes the case on this week's Dying Message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast, Episode 8, in which we learn four lessons. Podcast cover art created by Miriam Bloom. Music excerpted from Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. Thank you again to our mystery guests, Sloane Lewis and Amelia Williams. Coming up, how long will Q and friends enjoy a beach day before stumbling upon a murder? Why won't anyone follow scuba diving safety protocols? Ain't the ocean a real butte? All that and more when we next examine the scene of the crime for that fatal note, the dying message. Record twice, measure once, cut once. Record twice, cut once. Are they, yeah, That's they're true. still cutting. Pop, pop, pop. I want everyone to know how committed I am to the audio quality of this podcast, but also <laughs> that I, I definitely have two empanadas and I and I will be eating them. <laughs>